and celebrate during the month of February. Black History Month on the Music Emporium with Kusar Grace. Tuesdays at 7, all month long. Brothers and sisters out there on the street, you've got to get down with your history. Support comes from Two Queens, offering fresh roasted coffee, fine teas, and local honey. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. Coffee, tea, and bees. TwoQueensHoney.com Support comes from The Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at www.thecalicoontheater.com. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, and today my guest is painter Bronwyn Curtis. I should start by admitting that I've been stalking Bronwyn for months. Not literally, but I've been stalking her paintings, which ended up on my news feed on my Facebook page. And once I started looking at them, I was hooked. Her impressionistic landscapes are breathtaking, and I would describe her painting as sultry. Dare I say, her work reminds me of the neo-impressionist painter Camille Pissarro. And now that I've spoken to her, I'm really excited to have her on so that she can share not only her lovely story, but also some very important information about a certain eye disease that many people suffer from. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Bronwyn Curtis. Bronwyn, welcome to Catskill Character. I'm so happy to finally meet you. Thanks. It's great to be here. Well, you told me that your parents were from Hancock, but they moved, were they kind of like hippies a little bit? They moved out to Santa Monica, and you were born <laughs> there, and you were there for the first three years. No, actually, they were, they were, they were a traditional 50s type family. Oh, okay. Just a little fantasy I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you lived out there for three years, but then you moved back here, and you grew up in Hancock. Um, but things were really different growing up then, wouldn't you say? It was. It was a quaint, small town. You know, kids could go out and play for the day and ride their bikes, play baseball, you know, just... Go fishing. Go fishing, yes. I um, went eel fishing, actually eel spearing with my dad in the Delaware River, which was wonderful. I loved doing that. Have you ever been to that guy that has the eel weir up in by Hancock, and he sells yeah. smoked eels and smoked yeah, trout? I, yeah. I think his name is Ray. He's kind of famous. Ray Turner. Yeah, Ray Turner. yeah, yeah. Yes. Have you been there? They are I the been best. There, but you know, he's famous in Hancock. Yeah. Yeah, he's quite a character. I would love to have him on the show sometime. <laughs> I'm sure he'd like to. Yeah. So you had a, a really nice traditional '60s, '70s growing up uh, out here in the country. Were you always interested in art? I was. I was always loved it. I, you know, when I saw artwork when I was out and about, I was always really interested. Like, how, how do they do that? You know, and when I was with my, my grandmother loved to draw with me, so I did that with her a lot. And, you know, I just was always interested in, you know, my environment around me mm -hmm. and how to recreate it. Would you say that when you were in school, you got the support that somebody who has that kind of interest really needs? I did. I did. My teachers were very supportive. Their names were Trina and Axel Patterson. Trina taught me in elementary school, and Axel taught me in high school. And they were very supportive and very nurturing. Did they help you, like, put together a portfolio when you wanted to go to college? Or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Axel, yeah, was always on, okay, this will be a good one for your portfolio. This was, you know, it, it was always very important. That's so great. Yeah. 
but despite the fact that you were so good at that, you very astutely, I thought, majored not just in studio art, but also in advertising design when you did go to college. And what kind of jobs does that prepare you for? Well, I right out of college, I worked at an advertising agency in Endicott, New York, and I worked at Highlights for Children in Honesdale. I also worked for a printing company, which I worked the longest at. I, I worked pre-press. I worked in graphic arts. I worked. I prepared the plates for presses. Processing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you worked at Highlights, did you do, like, illustrations? No, I, I did the layout of the books. Oh, okay. I, I placed the type and the artwork, and I, back then you separated the colors manually. That's yeah, kind that of tedious. That was before the Max, yeah. When I was there, it was in the mid-'80s. But it was a really good experience. So you got a lot of jobs. You were working steadily. But you got married, and I you did. started a family. So I was wondering, did you stop painting then? Uh, I, I did for the most part. I did artwork with my children, but not anything for myself. When you create art, it's pretty much all involved. You know, it's a self-centered thing. And you can't do that when you're, you need to spend time with your kids. They both enjoyed art. That they enjoyed the projects that we did. I um, I would do artwork with them, and I would frame it and put it on the wall for them, and that made them very like that. That's nice. Something tells me that your girls had a wonderful childhood. They did. They they, they were happy. You know how you know that's true is when they keep coming back to see you. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. And you, you you count the days until they come back because you miss them a lot. Yeah. yeah. That brings me to a point that I wanted to talk to you about, which is the empty nest syndrome. It's a difficult thing to go through when you're close to your kids, but if you've done your job well, they're going to leave, right? Yes. So what was it like for you when Erin, the youngest, left home? I remember walking around in circles sobbing when my son went to college, but you had to go through it twice. Your whole life kind of turns upside down. It's just lonely, and the house is so quiet, and it just—it's just not the same. It's—it's it's just really hard. You know, you look sad even talking yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could bring myself to tears thinking about it. Yeah, it's—it's it's really hard, and all the mothers out there who've been through it, I'm sure they understand what we're talking about. I know your husband and, and you have been together a long time. Were you high school sweethearts? Actually, no. He's—he's he's older than I am. But I met him when I was coming home from college. Do you hold that over his head? <laughs> Call him the old man? <laughs> yeah. So you two were always close. Do you think that the girls being gone brought you even closer together? I think so. We do more things, you know, not related to the girls now. Like we go to concerts at Bethel Woods. And we go out to dinner more, just us. You know, before with the girls, we were always running to different, like Chelsea to her soccer games, Aaron to her band events and football games for mm -hmm. marching band, that type of thing. You two are vegans, right? Or is it just you? Just me. Oh. Just me. So you're a vegan and Kevin is not. Right. He's a carnivore pretty much. So how do you how do you do that, planning your meals? And that makes like kind of double the work, doesn't it? It's not so bad. Actually, since I'm home now, I cook for myself at lunchtime. So that's my big meal. Oh. And then I have leftovers. Okay. He, and I cook for him at night. I mean, sometimes I can make something for both of us. Like, he likes my vegan chili. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he won't eat tofu. No, I, I'm with him on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you cook it right, it's pretty good. 
how did that come about that you became a vegan? You had to discover it somehow. How- Actually, both of my daughters, Chelsea was vegetarian first, and then Erin became vegetarian, and then Chelsea was vegan. Maybe you should and- explain for the audience the difference between being a vegetarian and being a vegan. Oh, sure. Um, a vegetarian eats vegetables and eggs and cheese. Like they'll eat dairy. But not meat, just not like chicken and mm-hmm. hamburger and beef. They don't eat fish either. Um, actually, that's another one. That's pescatarian. If you're oh. pescatarian, you eat fish. Okay, so you, you, you eat Aaron, everything. Aaron is pescatarian now. So you eat everything that the vegetarian eats plus the fish. Plus the fish is okay. pescatarian. And then what about the vegans? The vegan is just plant. Wow. No eggs, no cheese. It's not so bad. You, you figure it out. It's, it's problem solving. Oh, and I know you like to problem I do. solve. I do. How long have you been doing this? Since 2011. I was having health issues then, and nothing was working, so I just figured, okay, I just have to do something myself. I had chronic hives, and I went to the allergist, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. So I just stopped eating dairy. and. Mm-hmm. Did you do that elimination diet where you eliminate like a lot of things from your diet and then you slowly start to add them to see if you have a resurgence of whatever it is that you're... No, just went vegan. You just went, you went Maybe cold stone vegan. Maybe because I was because that's what Chelsea was doing. Uh-huh. And she was really healthy. And she's younger than me, so of course she's healthier. But, you know, I was, just wasn't feeling good. And I had hives and I was on medication and I wasn't sleeping. Hmm. But they gave me medication for the hives. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Yeah. So when you started the vegan diet, your hives went away? Yes. And the other medical problems disappeared? I stopped taking allergy medicine. Oh. So then I could sleep again, which was nice. Disruptive sleep is a really... It's horrible. Yeah. You go days without sleeping, and it's, it's horrible. I had that happen when I was going through menopause. It was just unbelievable. And I had a full-time private practice, and I was like a mad woman. You know, it's not, you don't want to talk to a therapist who's crazy. You don't feel feel safe driving. No. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Well, that's fantastic. You took your your health into your own hands. I did. You know what? I think this is a good time to take a break, and we'll be right back, okay? Okay. This is Caskill Character on WJFF. F. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, and today I'm speaking with painter and mom, Bronwyn Curtis. We'll take a short break and come right back, so stay tuned.
next time on The Waggaloo Monkeys with the Graham Rice here on WJFF, the singing and the mainly maritime songs of the English legend Cyril Tawney. Join me, please, on Sunday at 12 noon. Welcome back to Catskill Character. I'm Donna Fellenberg. My guest today is painter Bronwyn Curtis. In the first half of the show, Bronwyn told us a bit about her early years growing up in Hancock, New York, and her early interest in art. After graduating from college, Bronwyn got jobs in advertising. I recently read a survey that indicated that in the U.S., three-quarters of the working artists make $10,000 or less per year. Luckily for Bronwyn, she studied not just studio art, but also advertising design, and had various jobs, including working in Honesdale at Highlights Magazine for Children. At the break, we were just about to find out how Bronwyn handled empty nest syndrome, and in the second half of the show, she's going to talk about that, and also what it was like receiving a diagnosis no one wants, no less an artist. So let's jump back to it and hear more of my conversation with Bronwyn Curtis. So we got a little bit off the topic of the uh, empty nest syndrome. They're talking about vegan versus vegetarian, which I think is great information for people. I certainly learned something. And I think we've established that the empty nest syndrome is very tough to go through. So how did you get through it? You're a problem-solving gal. What did you do? Well, I decided one day I just needed to do something. I, I wasn't happy. I was lonely. I was home alone. And, you know, I, I worked at home, but that just wasn't enough. So one day I just told my husband, let's go shopping. Let's get an easel and some paints. And that's what I did. Yeah, you just figured out what to do. That's a perfect solution for you, right? Go back yeah, to it. Yeah, it was something that I, you know, wished I was still doing, but I just didn't have time for it when mm-hmm. my kids were home. Now you had all the time in the world, sort of. Did you get involved in any arts organizations? I've been going to Bodie Tree in Honesdale, Bodie Tree Art School and Studio. Oh, tell me about that. Been, yeah. They have, they have classes there. They're wonderful. And also on Wednesdays, they have an open studio where artists can come in and work. So I, I started doing that. I don't go and paint, but I work with clay. been doing sculpture and, and a little pottery. I just saw something on Facebook recently. They were these two almost like mask-like figures, and your name was up at the top, came out of someone else's kiln. Were those yours? Oh, I had, yeah, that was a sculpture I did. Yes. Those were cool. On Wednesday, yes. So you're doing more than just painting. You're starting to do sculpture now. Yeah. Well, if anyone's interested in finding out the bo- about the Bodhi tree, that's it's B-H-O-D-I, right? B-O-D-H-I. Oh, B O. You know, I was an English teacher. I'm the world's worst speller. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe we'll just leave this whole thing out. Okay. Uh, I B-O-D-H-I, think I'm pretty sure. B-O-D-H-I, Bodhi Tree. They can just look that up on the web. Just Google it. Bodhi yeah. Tree Honesdale. Okay. I think you also told me that Erin was uh, really, really suggesting that you paint. She was really supporting that you paint. She was. She was. She was really excited when I told her you know, through texts or phone calls, yeah, that I was painting again, and she was really excited about it. So it looks like everything was just cooking along. You were you were painting, you were healthy, and then what happened? And then one day I was on my computer working, and lines were getting wavy, like the 
the menu bar on my computer was wavy. So I immediately, you know, called my eye doctor because I've had eye problems my whole life. Really? Yeah. i very nearsighted. I started wearing glasses when I was three. So. Well, that must have been scary. It was. It was. And I, like I said, I went to the eye doctor right away and, you know, they looked and I, I have something called myopic CNV. What does the CNV stand for? Corduroidal neovascularization. It Ooh. means that a regular, yeah, it sounds pretty scary. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's a r- irregular blood vessels growing in your eye, mm. and they they get in your, they they grow in your eye, and they um they bleed and leak fluid, and cause distortion and waviness. Now, what would happen if someone didn't address this? They would lose their vision. Oh, actually, I had problems when I was fourteen, and I lost the vision in my right eye because of it. But back then, they didn't have a treatment like they do now. Oh, so you don't have any vision in your right eye? I lost the central vision in my eye. Is that like having a cataract? You know, when a cataract is covering the pupil? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's It kind of looks like when you um, watch TV and a f- person's face is blacked out. Okay. You know, it's grayed out. It's kind of what it's like in my central vision. Mm. That's where my retina tore and then scarred. So that happened when you were 14? I was 14, and that, and that was pretty scary. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't supposed to play sports. With well, the but, retina but tear. But I did anyway. Oh, my God. So you had to accommodate that, too. You had to find a way to deal with just real, basically seeing most things out of your left eye. Right. My, my brain learned to adjust. Mm, like just, my, my central vision, I use my left eye. With my right eye, I can see to the side and above. But I mm-hmm. just can't see. I have to force myself to see with my right eye now. Okay, so you have had an experience prior to this one that happened that day at your computer where you lost sight in your right eye, you know, that central sight. So you went right to the doctor. He gave, did he give you that diagnosis immediately? Could they tell just by looking at your eyes what was going on, or did it take a while? Are you talking about when I was 14 or recently? No, no, no. I mean, after, yeah, just recently. Just recently, they, they take pictures, mm-hmm. and, and they, yeah. They send them out, or they look at them there? They and look, they, it comes right up on the computer. It's mm-hmm. called OCT, I believe. And, and then he also does an exam and looks in my eyes, and, you know, they already knew that I had problems, like yeah. scarring, something new where the blood vessels are leaking and causing distortion. Is this similar to macular degeneration? It's very similar. Macular degeneration is caused because of age, age age-related macular degeneration. Mm -hmm. Mine is myopic CNV or myopic degeneration, if you want to call it. It's because I'm so nearsighted. I see. My my retina is long and it stretches, Mm -hmm. and it just causes that to happen. Okay, so what's the treatment for this? Oh, this is, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun one. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Something tells me that was sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, a shot in the eye. Oh, my God. Yeah, but, yeah, it, it, was, it's, it was much better than you would expect. It really was. I mean, when I first had my first shot, I, I was scared because I had never had it. Mm. Just, I was there, and he told me, you know, I, you need to have an injection. Did he tell you that the same day he had diagnosed you? He did. He oh, did. So, <laughs> so I went from one room to the other. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, you know, I had to sign the waiver to say it was all right. And, you know, yeah. 
So at least you didn't have like a week or a month to think about it. It's true. There's, that would have that's the upside. a lot of stress. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it had to be done right away. It was something that was immediately. Okay, so w- would you mind walking us through that? Let us, you know, tell me about it. Okay, well, I'm in a room and I'm sitting there. It's in a chair, like a doctor, eye, eye doctor's office chair. Mm-hmm. And they put drops in your eyes and they, um, it numbs it. And then they put a shot in my eye, which numbed it more. Did you see that shot coming? Could you see the needle coming? I didn't. Oh, good. I didn't. The number. The number. I didn't see that coming. Okay. Because I didn't have my glasses on or my contacts, and I can't see very well. Well, there's one advantage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it finally paid off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they then they they numb it twice. First they with the it. drops, and then with the the needle. And right. Then, and then what happens? And then they put an antiseptic in. It's benadine, mm-hmm. and that just. So you don't get an infection from the injection. Sure. They probably put a sh- benadine in before, too, before the other injection, too, mm-hmm. just so that... Yeah. Can you feel it going in, or is your eye so numb then that you can't feel anything on your eye? Yeah, it, f- it feels numb. It feels yeah. heavy. And then they give you the shot, but you don't. you didn't feel it. No, and I didn't even know he was doing that either. I mean... You know, they're doing, like, all this stuff, and I've never done it before. And then all of a sudden, he comes over, and and, and I, I can see the medicine go in my eye. Oh. It kind of looked like a lava lamp. It was oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> There's yeah. always an upside, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gee. So if you don't mind telling me, what's the prognosis for this particular disease? It's the, They don't know. It depends. I mean, I, I could not have to have an injection eventually or I could have to have them for the rest of my life. There's Are you no having them on a monthly basis? Or? Yeah, every four weeks. Mm-hmm. I've gone six weeks, but then I had a relapse and it started getting more wavy. Like it gets better and then it started to get worse. So then I'm supposed to call right away if that happens. Oh, okay. like that's what I did. Yeah. So, But we're hoping to spread them out. Mm-hmm. Well, this sounds like it's very specialized. Where do you, where do you go for this? It's um, Mid Atlantic Retina in East Stroudsburg. It's um, they're associated with Will's Eye in Philadelphia, which is one of the best in the country. So I feel oh, like that's I'm great. Being taken care of well. Well, this might sound like a very obvious question, but how did this affect your painting? Well, I had to adjust when it first happened. I you know it was. It, it took me a while to get back into painting, you know, a couple of weeks. You know, Bronwyn, yeah. some people might just give up at that point. Did that ever cross your mind? I'm thinking no. No, I just I just loved it. I hadn't done it for so long, and I just, you know, it just, it just felt really good. I, I loved it. It was a passion at that point, an obsession almost. So you weren't going to let anything get in your way? No. So what kind of accommodations did you make as far as the painting goes? Well, when I'm painting now, I don't wear my contacts. I wear my glasses. I have more adjustment that way. I can move my glasses. Like, I have to get really close to see a straight line because I can't see straight lines anymore. Mm. It's like when I'm looking at the whole image, I stand back and, and I paint. I stand back and I paint. Do you work larger than you used to? I do. I do. Most of my canvases are 36 by 24 or mm-hmm. 30 by 30. Yeah. Yeah, I tried painting smaller thinking you know i if if things went bad then um if things went bad 
I wasn't sure how long I'd be. Oh, right. If it wasn't such a huge painting, if yeah, things are bad, it was you... more of a commitment that way. Yeah, I see. But because I, I paint in lots of layers, it takes me a long time to do a painting. Oh, yeah. You told me about layered painting. Tell, yes. tell the audience about that. It's um, it's actually it's called broken color technique. Broken one, color. Yeah. yeah, where one color beside another or on top of each other. They kind of play with each other. It's mm-hmm. visual color mixing rather than mixing on the palette. Mm. And you only use three colors, you told me, right? I do. I do. I use cobalt blue, cadmium yellow, and cadmium red, and white. Mm-hmm. So four colors. If four you colors. count white, white's not a color. Absence of color. <laughs> That's right. So you just use those three colors, but they blend, they layer, and in doing so, they produce a different color, basically. Right. Right, and the other color mixes through in different values. It's it's fun. Yeah, it sounds really exciting. It's interesting. Yeah. And you you were uh, so nice to send me the video of that uh, painter, the blind painter. He's totally blind. Oh, he's he's incredible. John Bramblett. Yes, Bramblet. John Bramblett. He's the number one visually impaired artist in the world. Yeah, I was doing some research when, when things weren't going as well, you know, when I didn't know that the injections were going to work so well. It's just like, okay, how can I continue this? You know, so I was, I was searching mm-hmm. and I found him and he's incredible. He's completely blind and he does these beautiful paintings. Mm. Well, he has something in common with you. Do you know what that is? What's that? Resilience. You are such a resilient person. You just, you, you don't let anything get you. You just keep coming. You know, you, you, you said uh, it was too, you were so passionate about painting, you weren't going to let this stop you. And I so admire that. Thank you. You know, not everybody has that. So, you know, you're very fortunate that you have that and you've developed it over the years. It seems like you've always been that way. Yeah, I think so. You would call I it stubborn. So. I call it stubborn. resilient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a website, Bronwyn? I do, I do. It's um, I don't have my own dot com, but it's broncurtis.wixsite.com backslash paintings. Okay, let's repeat that. Broncurtis.wixsite.com backslash paintings. Okay. Um, are you in any shows at the moment? Actually, I just took down one last Saturday. It was oh. at the Bodhi Tree. Uh-huh. In Honesdale. It was a wonderful experience. I bet. Are you going to be it. in any in the next um, s- series that they do? No, actually, now they're, they're having masks there, which is going to be masks from the 70s. Oh. Yeah, Halloween masks. It's oh, that's pretty cool. pretty interesting. But yeah, I, I hope to have another show sometime. I don't have anything scheduled right now. But. Okay. Well, it's been so great having you here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so it's much for fun. coming. Thanks for inviting me. It was a lot of fun. You've been listening to Catskill Character with my guest today, painter Bronwyn Curtis. I want to thank Bronwyn for coming in. You know, she's such an example of an important, something important that I've spoken about a lot on Catskill Character, and that's resiliency. She doesn't feel sorry for herself when the chips are down. She figures it out and keeps moving forward. Bronwyn's website is broncurtis.wixsite.com. Dot com backslash paintings. That's Bronwyn, B-R-O-N-C-U-R-T-I-S dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com backslash paintings. 
Catskill Character is on every Saturday at 11.30, except for the last Saturday of the month when Greg Triggs takes to the air with Travels with Triggs. We both follow Rosie Starr's Farming Country, and it's all here on WJFF. I'm Donna Fellenberg, and I thank you so much for listening. Support comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at www.thecalicoontheater.com. Support comes from Two Queens, offering fresh roasted coffee, fine teas, and local honey. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. Coffee, tea, and bees. TwoQueensHoney.com. On the Janice Adams Show, our Black History Month special continues. Glory Days in Concert, the African-American experience in word and song, from the spirituals to the blues, gospel, jazz, and hip-hop. In part one, we retraced African roots, the journey from freedom to enslavement. Now, part two, how we made it over, resistance, rebellion, resurrection. Saturday at four.